Uh, it's going to be a good message, I promise you, but we're gonna, I'm going to show you a little something about the hypocrite and about what it means to be a pretender, amen? Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that we can sit here and receive your word. Father, thank you that everyone who has come into this room is here by a divine appointment. Father, we thank you that you have a, a beautiful word for them, a rhema word for them, Father, that they would carry out of here that would change their life forever for the better because you are always making all things work together for our good. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. He is the truth in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let me get right into the, the, the word. All right, so it's called uh, hypocrisis, which is where we get our English word from, hypocrite. Anybody ever hear that in the church before or outside the church? Man, they're just full of hypocrites, right? Well, I'm going to show you from Scripture a little bit why, why Jesus doesn't like hypocrisy, okay? So let me just, uh, let's just start here with the definition. It really means in this sense, because it means uh, an answering an answer, but in the context of the verse, it means to act, uh, the acting of a stage player. It really means to play a part. In other words, you're playing a part that isn't really you. And in this day of social media, kids, people, <laughs> everybody, right? You, you get on social media, man, that is not them. Right? I see people manipulating their faces. I'm like, that, that ain't you. I saw you today. Right? Uh, well, why is it deep down that people want to edit their face? Why is it deep down people want to edit their post and make it seem like there's something when that's not really who they are? Because, listen, you will never find fulfillment. You'll never find joy in that arena. You just won't. And so I'm going to show you a little bit today about what it means to truly be a hypocrite and why Jesus is against that, okay? He's not against you. He's not against people, but he's against that. And I'll show you why. He doesn't want you acting the part. So look at this. I love this part, this story. It's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. I'm going to tell you about it because uh, I love the way Jesus handles the woman who came to the well. She came to the well. She had five husbands, right, before. She was living with one now, six, right, right? And she's about to encounter the seventh man. Jesus, the perfect man. That's not there by chance. I believe that with all my heart that Jesus is perfect. And it worked out that way. She, you know, most women, if you study Jewish history, they go early in the morning to fetch water from the well. But this woman, due to condemnation and guilt she was having because of her past, went in the afternoon. That's why she's there by herself. But Jesus knew she'd be there. Amen? So Jesus is sitting there, and this is kind of the conversation they had. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I had no husband. And Jesus said to her, he didn't come out and point to her sin right away. He sandwiched it. He sandwiched it with love. Look at this. You have well said, I have no husband. You have well said, I have no husband. I want you to look up that word well in your, in your Bible that I showed you about, the, the blue letter Bible. It literally means you have beautifully said. Jesus gave her a compliment before he, put, before he was going to show her sin. Amen? Because Jesus always does that lovingly. See, church always comes out and hammers people when they sin. They got to get out of here. You got to kick them out. They can't be here anymore. They certainly can't be on the front. They got to go to the back. They can't teach anymore at the Sunday school. They can't serve anywhere because they have sin. If that's the case, we better all walk up out of here. Amen? 
So he said, you have beautifully said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that you spoke truthfully. So he sandwiched it. He told her, you have beautifully said that. But here's the real issue. You've had five. You're with one now, not your husband. And, and you have spoken to me truthfully. I love the way Jesus handles that. That's, do you think Jesus is like that today? Or do you think he's out to hammer people when they mess up? Some people think that God's out there and he's got that big paddle. This is my baseball move. <laughs> Waiting to smack you on the butt when you trip up. But if he did that to you, then he would be unjust to what he did to Jesus on the cross. And that's not God. God loves Jesus. God is so pleased with what Jesus did on the cross that he can now look at us and not paddle you when you fall down. Instead, it's the opposite. The Bible says, hey, though a righteous man falls, he just gets back up. Amen. He does not lose his righteousness. How can God do that? Because he put it on Jesus. Stop trying to take it back from him. Stop trying to pay for your own sin. They've been paid for. And the quicker you understand that kind of love, the quicker you can walk away from a sin. But if I'm going to keep telling you about your sin, you're going to stay in it. But if I tell you about the love of the Savior, you will walk out of it. And that's what the church as a whole is missing these days. They're all worried about and concerned about sin, 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 sin. They need to be your Savior, your Savior, your Savior, your Savior. How many of you guys need help, need a reminder that you sin every day? But isn't it nice to know that in fact that while you're sinning, that there's a Savior who loves you anyway, just as you are? And when church say, come as you are, come as you are, you come down, man. And then they find out something about you afterwards. They're like, don't come as you are no more. That is not the way our Lord operates. Boom. So when you pretend to be something you are not, you cannot feel love. And that's why Jesus hates hypocrisy, because he loves people. He loves people, and he doesn't want you acting apart, trying to be something you're not, because you can't feel real love when you're doing that. And so he wants you to know you don't have to pretend anymore. I love you just like you are. I love you just the way you are. Just the way you are. Why everybody laugh when I sing? Nobody laugh when Dwayne sing. Anyway, I love this verse. Go back to the very beginning of the chapter. You know, like, Jewish people didn't hang out with Samaritans, amen? They just didn't. They did not like each other. But I like this. It says in verse 4, before he met, met the woman, he says, but he needed to go through Samaria. He went there for her. He went there for her. And, and that's, the, that's the Jesus that we got to let people know about. That's the Jesus you need to be reminded about. Jesus has come for you because he loves you personally. He's come to you personally. Well, Jesus will never show up and bless you if you got sinned. Oh, really? But I'm pretty sure living, having been divorced five times and living with a dude that's not back then was a big sin. But yet Jesus had to go see her. The bigger the, bigger the sin you are, the sinner you are, the more Jesus wants to come and wrap his arms around you. Because if you have no sin, you don't need him to come. But you do. 
and he has come. He came. He needed. I love the word needed. You could just meditate on that verse right there and say, man, he needed. He needed to come. He needed to come to me. He needed to come. Raise your hand if, if you know that Jesus needed to come to you because you had no hope without that. And he came for her. I love that, man. See, the problem with hypocrisy is, is you justify yourself. That, that was a problem with Pharisees. That's why Jesus came against the Pharisees. Because the sinners knew. The sinners came to him. And in fact, he came to sinners. But the Pharisees, the religious people, and there's still some remnant of those guys hanging around today. I was one. I was the chief. That's what I was saying. It, anyway, listen, there, there's still a lot of religious people around that justify themselves, and that's a hypocrite. That's why the world calls them hypocrites, because they justify their sin, because they check the boxes. I'm here every Sunday, check, which will cover up for everything that y'all don't know about. Amen? That's the problem with hypocrisy. So let's look at Romans 11.6. There's a difference between law and grace. Romans 11:6 6 says, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Grace, and literally the definition is a, is a undeserved, unmerited favor that God gives you. Like you can't earn it, and you certainly don't deserve it. It's just a favor, gift that he gives you, right? But if you're doing that, if you're, if you're doing works, if you're checking boxes like religious people do, then it's no longer grace because you don't need it. God's like, if you're trying to work for it, okay. But you're working for something that you already have. You're just going to be tired. Anybody ever been tired in service before? Yeah, trying to serve the Lord, trying to serve the Lord. And instead of just resting in who you are and letting God tell you where you can serve. And then you don't have that burnout. Amen? So, uh, but if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, works, uh, work is no longer work. So it can't be the same. It's either you work for it. Or you just receive it as a gift. Those are the two things. But see, religion, they, they work for it and work for it and work for it. And God is saying, hey, you can't do that. That's not where it's at. Just rest. It's a gift. The work is finished. Do you know the first place you see angels sitting? In the tomb. When Mary came busting in there, the angels were sitting. The Bible says they were sitting. That's the first place in Scripture you see angels sitting. Why were they sitting? The work was finished. One was at the head, one was at the tail. That's the picture of the Ark of the Covenant. The work was finished. You know what Jesus is doing right now? He's sitting. Why? The work is finished. How's stuff going to get done? You're just saying we should all just sit? Am I sitting? I'm up here standing. I'm laboring for you guys. It's ridiculous, right? But listen, listen, seriously, does this look like, do I look like I'm working? I mean, this is the best time of my life. This is what works looks like under grace. This is it right here. And then you can find a wife like Kelly. You don't have to look for it. God just, bam, there she is. And I'm like, hey, I, just, I don't know you, but I know that God told me that you were supposed to be with me. Y'all think I'm joking. Isn't that how it went down, babe? <laughs> anyway, uh, so look at Proverbs 17, 15. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just. 
both of them are alike are an abomination to God. Now, an abomination to God is not a good thing. <laughs> Amen? It's not. But see, we grow up thinking sometimes, this verse has been taken out of context, that, that he who justifies the wicked. And I've been accused of that because I'm a grace preacher, right? And, 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 and I'm always talking about God's grace, God's grace, God's love, God's love, God's love, right? I'm always doing that. People are like, that's all you preach about. What about their sin? Hey, I preach more about Jesus paying for their sin. Right? But he said, he who justifies the wicked, like I'm justifying their sin, right? That's how that's taken, but that's not what it means. Listen, he who justifies the wicked, that means who? he who justifies the, the, the sinners and he who condemns the just. In other words, religious people say, hey, man, you're, you're, you're justifying sin, but you're condemning the church. I'm not condemning the church. I'm condemning the message coming out of the church. I mean, the church is not condemned. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you can either preach the message of hope, the gospel, or you can preach the message of law, which brings death and condemnation. Amen. And I'm telling you, it says that if you condemn the just, you're an abomination. Now, I want you to think about yourself. Don't think about anybody else. Think about yourself. Have you ever condemned yourself? Have you ever felt guilt or shame? Yeah? Well, let me tell you something. That's an abomination to the Lord. Because you have been justified. You have been made righteous. Where's that at? Bam. Everybody say bam. Bam. One of my favorite kids in the whole world. That's her favorite Bible verse right there. It's my favorite too, man. Look, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Say, for me. for me, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's who we are. God calls you righteous, and it's not because of you. It's because of what Jesus did for you, and all we can do is say thank you. But see, the problem is the enemy gets in our head and says, hey, how can you call yourself righteous? You just cussed out your wife. You just shot a bird to somebody. You just stepped on a Lego and let the, uh, every word come out. And the devil always reminds you of your sin. But see, right there in that moment, the quickest way to get out of that is to remember that Jesus died for you. Amen. Jesus died for you. Instead of saying, God, please, God, please forgive me, he's like, I did. You say, God, thank you for your complete forgiveness. Thank you that in spite of my sin, I can rise up out of this and walk. And now you're not doing it on your own. Now you're doing it based out of grace. Based out of grace. Somebody write that down, man. Kel, you got it? No? Anybody else got it? <laughs> Based out of grace. That's going to be a book that you and I are going to write, brother. Um, so Acts 11.9 says, But the voice answered me again from heaven. What God has cleansed, you must not call uncommon. And you have been cleansed. Raise your hand if you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And what God has cleansed, you can't call unclean. That's what the word common means. You can't call what God has cleansed unclean. You can't. You know why? Because you're forgetting about Jesus. You're forgetting about what he did for you. He did that work for you. You didn't do it. And he did it because he loves you. We've got to come from a standpoint of prayer. We gotta, uh, when we pray, we've got to know that we're loved we got to know that we're completely forgiven. You have to, church. 
You can't take condemnation. It's not for you. The Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation for you if you were in Christ Jesus. So if you want to stop sinning, you, you, you stop condemning yourself. And you, stop thank, you start thanking, your, thanking Jesus for what he did in you. That's the difference in the teachings. Bless you. Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. father. So the law at one point was a guardian and a steward over our lives. It was to get us to, until Jesus came. That's what the law was for, right? Even so, we, uh, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. If you go down to verse 9 on your own time, you'll see that the elements of the world is the law, going back to the law. Um, so, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. Now listen, he was born under the law. People say, well, Jesus said this. Yeah, but was it before the cross or after the cross? Because anything he said before the cross, he was under law. But after the cross, when he said, it is finished, and he died, and he rose from the grave, to tell a star means to pay for. That means all that was paid for. The law, was, the Bible says for, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. Meaning you can't work for it anymore by keeping the law. You just can't do it. Raise your hand if you kept every law. You can't do it. David couldn't do it. Nobody could do it. That's why Jesus came. He was the only one that could do it. So we are adopted now by a loving father. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, we have a spirit of sonship in us. That means we can pray now. We can pray now differently than we did before, right? Uh, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. That's who we are. We are heirs of God through Christ. That's why we get all the blessings of Abraham. The Bible doesn't say we get all the curses. We get all the blessings of Abraham. Why? Jesus took all the curses. Galatians, go back up to here. So when we pray, we are praying from a spirit of sonship. That's who we are. So when we pray in Jesus' name, we are representing Jesus from a spirit of sonship. We used to pray under the law. It was a prayer out of bondage, but now it's a prayer out of sonship. There's a relationship now, amen? amen. Love that. All right, look at John 16, 24. We've, been, we've seen this verse the last three weeks. So it says, until now. Say, until now. So Jesus is telling them something, <laughs> meaning until now, like everything before was different than now, right? So until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. So until now, you've never, you said, you, you've asked it this way. God, please. Oh, God, please. Right? God, please. Well, now he's saying, hey, ask it in my name. What does it mean to be in his name? If you represent somebody, right? So you, I'm doing something in somebody's name. 
All right, somebody told, sponsored me, and they said, hey, I want you to speak. Well, I'm going to speak, and I'm doing it as if I'm speaking for my sponsorship. Amen? So when it says in his name, whenever we speak, we're doing it like we're representing him. Like what he says, we speak. Do you understand? So whatever we speak, that's what we're hearing, right? Through the scripture, whatever we speak in the name of Jesus, what does it say? You will receive, good or bad. Your mouth, your tongue has the power of life and death. You can speak life or you can speak death. You can say, man, I'm such an idiot, I can't believe I did that. That's death. You can say, thank you, Lord, that you have redeemed me. That's life. You see the difference? And it's the little things in life that matter. Because Satan knows he'll get in there in a little subtle way and try to steal your joy. That's what it's all about. So why when you ask in Jesus' name and you receive it, the reason you receive it is because he wants your joy to be full. He wants your joy to be full. God doesn't want me happy. Okay, live your life like that. My father wants me to be happy. Why would we say, would you, would you not want your kids to be happy? I mean, think about that. Would you say that about your own kids? I don't want them to be happy. Why do we think our loving father who gave us Jesus would, would think like that? That's worldly thinking, people. Yeah, it's crazy. Your father is good, and he wants your joy to be full. I know what y'all are thinking. We're getting to it. This is it. Galatians 2, 11 through 16. Now, who got saved first, Peter or Paul? Y'all don't want to answer? <laughs> who got saved first, Peter or Paul? Peter was walking with Jesus. He, Peter, Peter, when he got saved, his eyes were open, but Jesus, the real Jesus, was right there, right? When Paul got saved, it was Jesus in his glory that appeared to Paul. They saw two different Jesus, right? One was before the cross, and now Peter saw Jesus after the cross, but he had not yet ascended into his glory, right? So when Paul saw Jesus and the scales fell off, his eyes after that, it was, it was he knew the grace of the Lord. He knew what his message was about at that moment, right? Because he saw Jesus in his glorified body. So uh, check this out. Even though Peter got saved first, Paul rebuked Peter. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. I bet Paul felt good right now. Look, man, I stood up to, that, to his face. Because he was to be blamed. And he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, James, the half-brother of Jesus, was coming. And now Peter was eating with the Gentiles, and everything was cool. But when the old guard was coming in, man, he couldn't be around the sinners. So he had to stand up. Act like he wasn't that. That's the definition of a hypocrite, right? So, so he, would, he, uh, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite. They played a part that they weren't, right, uh, with him. So that even Barnabas was, was carried away with their hypocrisy. There you see it again. They were playing a part. There's a lot of people, guys, in religious circles that are playing a part. They're just playing a part. And, and man, our, our role should be to focus on the, 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 the amount of love that the Father has for them. Amen? I mean, that's because Jesus hates hypocrisy because you can't feel love when you're playing a part. You can't. 
So, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew living in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? He's like, hey, you ain't living like that. Why are you telling them to live like that? Right? We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles. Knowing that a man, see, people think, people think it's not about law, it's not about the Ten Commandments and all that. Look, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. You can't be. You know why? Because you can't keep them by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. You can try to keep all the Ten Commandments you want. You won't be justified by them. Because you can't be. You can't keep them. But if you're, if you're justified by believing Jesus, you can do that. But you know, I still got to do something. <laughs> Good luck, bro. You're going to be tired. You're gonna, the, the life's going to be sucked out of you because you're trying, 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 trying. And worst of all, you're trying to get other people to do it. And, and they get carried away with your hypocrisy. Stop trying to be holy by the law. You can't. You're playing a part. You're playing Jesus' part. It's not for you. He took your place. He fulfilled that part perfectly for you. <laughs> All right, back to this real quick. Uh, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the gospel, what, stop right there. What does that mean? They weren't straightforward about the gospel. That's what, now this whole thing isn't about Peter like uh, uh, doing something crazy bad, right? It's over food. Like Peter was probably enjoying bacon. He's like, man, this stuff is good. Right? And, and the Jews came, he's like, oh, they can't see me eating bacon. Right? Or fried shrimp. Bacon wrap fried shrimp. Okay, y'all dismissed. <laughs> Who hungry now, boy? Listen. Listen, so, so this whole thing is about food. So the littlest things, God can, it concerns God, right? So listen, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the gospel, what does that mean? So look at this. Uh, oh, look at it in the, uh, in the original King James. This is a clear version of what the original is, okay? But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, what does it mean when Paul could see that they weren't walking uprightly? What was Peter doing? It was a little thing. And Paul says he wasn't walking uprightly to the truth of the gospel. Well, check this out. In Psalm 84, 11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Amen? Amen? The Lord will give grace and glory. He'll give you glory. Glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, it would behoove us to figure out what that is. Because if the Bible says that no good thing will he withhold to those who walk uprightly, then I want to know what that means. I want to know what it means to walk uprightly. Apparently, Peter wasn't doing it. So what does it mean? What, so what is walking uprightly about the truth of the gospel? I don't know why that about is in there, but what is it? What does that mean? Check this out. It means that you got to believe that you are loved, church. If Peter would have believed that, he wouldn't have got up. But he took his eyes off of what Christ did for him, put it on religion, and he got up. Because he looked at himself and not his Savior. 
So in order to walk uprightly, you got to believe that you're loved. You got to believe that you're loved beyond measure. Second thing, you got to believe you are forgiven. If Peter would have knew he were forgiven, he could have ate the whole plate of bacon. Amen? If you know you're forgiven, you're not going to get up because you're condemning yourself. And here come the religious people. I got to play the part. Man, there's too many churches feel like that today. Stop playing a part. Know you're loved. Know you're forgiven. And that, that makes you qualified. Last thing, you must believe that when you pray, it is as if Jesus himself is praying. And that, that's powerful, church. You've been learning that the last three or four weeks, that when you play, pray in the name of Jesus and you, and, you, and you profess the blood of Jesus, things start to happen. I, I've gotten so many testimonies from that Sunday when we were just pointing, the Lord was just pointing people out. So many. Because that's, power, that's a powerful word. And, and, and you might not believe it, but you still speak it. Because you have power. The Lord said you will do greater things than he did. Listen, you must believe that when you pray, it's as if Jesus, like Jesus is speaking through you. And you'll see stuff happen. How many of you guys pray like that? You're like, you're like God, please, God, please. God's saying, stop begging. You have received everything. Utilize it. There's too many believers that aren't utilizing that. And I was one of them, guys, up until about three weeks ago. I'm still learning. How many of you guys are glad your pastors are still learning? But that's a good thing. We can now speak and see stuff happen, see mountains move. Are we done? Oh, Hebrews 10. All right, so Hebrews. And every priest, we're good. And every priest stands ministering. What are they doing? They're standing. Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But this man, I love that, but this man, but this man, that's why when, you, when something happens and you get condemned in your head, you say, but this man, amen? But this man, after he had offered one, say it, church, one sacrifice for sins forever, Set down at the right hand of God. So you got priests that are working, standing continuously. Jesus sat down. It's done. It's finished. A finito. Now I want pizza. I love that. Then he sat down. So, so religion is always working, 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 working. Jesus sat down, right? He's still sitting down. All right, look at this. Go back up to the top of that chapter. Verse 1, for the law, the law having a shadow of the good things to come. The law was a shadow of Jesus because Jesus would take that, right? And I always like to point out the fact that, that, that I could go on a, you know, Kelly could go on a trip and she could have a picture of me in her purse, but that's a shadow of the good thing. Amen. Say Amen. amen. <laughs> because the better thing is right in front of her. Right? So look, look, look. No, not every image of the things can, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year. Yom Kippur. Every year they had to sacrifice an animal. And they could never make those who approach perfect. So they had to do it every year. Because they could never be perfect. Right? Uh, perfect in regard to what? Well, let's see. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers once purified. Now we found out later that we are purified, right? Down that chapter, we one time Jesus purified us. Those worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. 
But the bulls, are the, but in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. You know why? Because it's impossible. It's just not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take that away. But what Jesus did one time, we should now have no more consciousness of sin, church. We should not be focused on our sin. We should be focused on our Savior. That's where our life comes from. That's where our hope is. Our hope, a confident expectation, is in Jesus. Don't put your hope in your effort. Put your hope in Jesus. And rest. When you rest there, you start to see things happening. When your mind's crazy, spinning out of control, you can't see things happening. That's why God says take every thought captive. Don't run with them. Don't run with those thoughts in your mind. Take them captive, nipping them by. What's the rest of that verse? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. Where was Jesus obedient? The Bible says when he went to the cross, he was obedient. So what does that mean? It's finished. Whatever issue you got going in your mind, whatever's spinning out of control, you got to know, but this man finished it. Bam, that's how you nip it. In the name of Jesus, he is my shepherd. I don't have to worry about not having anything because the Bible says he's my shepherd, therefore I shall not lack. You start speaking truth into those situations, church, because you have that power. The Satan wants to remind you of you and condemn you because he'll make you forget you had that power. But there's a great awakening going on right now, church. A great awakening where people are going to know that Jesus is in, he's in control and he loves people. And when that, the world knows that, they, that Jesus loves them right where they are, there will be a great awakening in America. Here. And then, and then people will come from America and go there. Too many people are going there. you got to fix yourself. I do a marriage counseling. Kelly and I will do, man. We're like, you can't fix your marriage until you fix yourself. you got to work on yourself. How are you going to fix your marriage? You're acting like a fool. I don't say that, but I think that. By the way, if I've ever counseled you, I didn't think that about you. <laughs> on that note listen hey stand up and give Jesus like he's get, like he's with you right now like focus on all that he's done for you I love that Pastor Dwayne said in the spirit that we cannot forget all his benefits and man we can't forget him. we got to remember what we've been given we got to remember what the Lord has done for us what he has given us the power to be able to do so when when Pastor Dwayne prays you just simply say I receive. Or you say, amen. Or even better, in Jesus' name. And you don't have to do it at the end to check that box. You do it when, when it hits your spirit. When he says something because the Lord speaks through him, man, you say in Jesus' name. Because what you're saying is, it will be. And when you say it, I'm telling you, raise your hand if you've learned to do that and you've seen it. Even this past week, just somebody, if you've seen it. This past week, you just spoke in Jesus' name because of what you've been hearing. And you've seen it happen. Church, I'm telling you, it works 100% of the time. You know why I know that? Because it's in Scripture. Amen? Try it. Try doing it the way he says to do it. Amen? Just speak out by faith and watch him go to work on your behalf. Pastor Dwayne? Amen. Somebody say amen. 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 Before we pray, see this t-shirt right here? How many of you bought one of these t-shirts to support Erica going on her mission trip? Well, if you did, we're going to ask you to wear it next week. She's, we're going to bring her up and we're going to pray with her next week. So we'll do that together. Amen.
Lord. <laughs> Amen. Come on, let's pray. <laughs> let's pray. Bow your heads before the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word today, Father. We thank you for just being in the midst of your people. Your word says that where two or more gather in your name, you are there. You are in our midst. And so, Father, we thank you that we can hear your word and we can receive it by faith. For your word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be present with you, Lord, and to allow your word, Father, to just get into our hearts and to get into our minds, Father, to get into our spirits. So that when we leave this place, Father, it's not left here in this building, but it goes with us. And, Father, you thank you for you giving us the opportunities, Father, to speak your word and to declare your word, Father, and to share your word with others, Father, that they too may know that you are a good God, that you are full of grace and full of mercy and full of love, and that you have a purpose and a plan for us, God, and that it is perfect because you are perfect in all of your ways, O oh God. And so, Father, I just speak life over your people today, Father. I declare that they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They are the lender and not the borrower, God. But they are blessed and they are highly favored by you, O oh God. And we thank you, God, that you have gone before them, Father. You've made their path straight, Lord. And you've worked everything out, Father, already for their good. And they're just waiting on the manifestation of those things to come to pass in the natural because it's already happened in the spirit realm, God. We thank you for the faith to believe that, to receive that, Father, and to give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. 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 We are dismissed.